Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today we're talking about the role of supervisors in expanding the idea of social justice. Heather, what has social justice as a counselor look like for you? You know, one of the stories that I think of is when I was working in a agency situation, we provided a behavioral intervention program for a lot of kids that were in foster care. One of our goals as the agency was to do reunification, but we were finding that as we help these kids through some of these processes and these families, really, there was a lot of parent involvement as well. We realized sometimes the lack of resources the families had really got in the way of them progressing to be able to get uh, custody back of their children. In one such way was transportation, getting to the center to have mm. sessions mm-hmm. would be a problem. Um, another thing we realized is these kids would get hungry after being right. in treatment for three hours. It was time for a snack. We found we had to go outside the box to figure out how to address the transportation need for the family. And then where can we get resources because we're not a school district program and we're not um, outside government funded to figure out how to get kids food. and I can remember uh, working at a homeless shelter and I worked, I did play therapy with kids. I didn't know I needed to at first, but uh, through the course of that, I realized my kids needed a snack, right? either at the beginning or at the end. And so I would just always go and get something easy, like an apple, or I think in the summer I tried to be fun and get like a popsicle, but that was kind of tricky. Right. It got melty. <laughs> right. But um, realizing that they weren't going to do their best in a session if they were hungry or if they were thinking about that. So I, I felt like even then that was a little outside the box that maybe even in school I might have been told or it might have been suggested to me that you wouldn't give clients something like right. that. Don't give your clients food. Don't mm-hmm. give your clients anything. For me, I think about social justice and I think about times where I was teaching or supervising and realizing that students currently in school were being taught about social justice and also realizing that counselors that went to school when I did or before weren't taught about social justice, at least not in the same way. And that the newer students maybe were sometimes confused and overstepping, maybe going too far because they were having trouble understanding what their role was. Right. It can be a very slippery slope Mm -hmm. to try and decide how much of this is intervention from a social justice platform of this is an actual need that cannot be addressed any other way but this. Mm -hmm. And then how much of it is, well, I just like my client and I want to give them a popsicle. Right. Yeah, true. Right, right. Yeah. I But I can see parking for clients or transportation for clients is a really systemic way to advocate or support them and something that maybe is less personal. Is, is that kind right. of what you're thinking? Right. I'm thinking that is less personal. And then also that if it's going to hinder the process of someone even being able to participate in something. Um, something else or another way that I look at this sometimes is that I am a counselor, but I'm also me. Right. So then the things that I would want want to advocate for or that I believe in. Some, I mean, it's a tricky place where it bleeds over and, and interacts with each other sometimes. I know that, I can't remember how many years ago now, two years ago, where there were women's marches oh, across yeah. the United mm-hmm. States. And I really wanted to participate, but I also thought that's kind of a funny message. What if I'm at a march and a client sees me? Or what if I, what does it say about my opinions? Or what am I advocating for? And are those those things that that are in support of my clients or those issues that are in support of what I believe. I, I really thought about it before I decided if I wanted to go to one of those marches or not. Right. How much time can you take your counselor hat off mm-hmm. and just be you without feeling like you're in um, a public situation where someone might make an opinion based on where you are or what you associate with? I think it happens in situations like that, like at a march or like a political rally. It can happen in church settings. Uh, we all have to be so careful not to have our opinions 
opinions out there on social media in a way that would reflect poorly one way or the other. Yes, absolutely. That counselors, therapists, counseling agencies are really active and involved in social media. And it is really a platform to give your opinion if you want to. Right. I'm always second guessing myself with if Mm -hmm. a client came across this, even though I'm not friends with clients on Facebook, Mm -hmm. what would they think or what Mm -hmm. does it say? Mm -hmm. Um, Something that I thought of that I think is very current is how people are responding to the pandemic. Uh, You and I have talked about that we have clients right now that they aren't clear if we want them to come into the office, if we want them to meet virtually. Um, But I've even thought where I work right now, I live close enough to my office that I I might run into a client at a grocery store and how I carry myself now in public reflects on my personal opinions. Right. Yeah. That that gets slippery quick. Mm -hmm. Um, I know with uh, supervisees, talk to them about how they handle themselves with clients requesting, when are you coming back to the office and how are Mm -hmm. you doing it? Personal decision, yes. But then also what you do for one client, you're willing to do for all of your clients. Mm. And I think that's kind of a slippery slope also. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. When the time comes, I'm not sure how I'll make that decision. I hope that I can make a decision that's good for each of my clients, given each of their circumstances. But I know that it's going to be difficult. I've already talked to my current supervisees about just continually reevaluating and making sure that when we do make decisions, that we're making decisions based on what is needed for the client. Right. I think it's complicated. Very. Um, Also thinking about social justice and what that has looked like for us as a counselor and now as supervisors, how can we be involved in our communities and support ideas of social justice? Well, I think personal choice and then also considering what does that say to the world when you make that choice? Can Um, you think of an example? Yeah, actually, my daughter and I used to do some volunteer work, made lunches for uh, homeless people. At one of those locations, when I was volunteering, I ran across a family that was there with a different organization doing the same thing. And it opened up a whole like, oh, you're a real person in the community volunteering, which is great and wonderful. (laughs) But they also made several inferences because of the agency that that was The affiliation. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, well, no, that's not me, nor do I think that. But was it really worth having the conversation with a client's family? Probably not. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I just kind of redirected and said, this is something my daughter and I like to do for outreach. It's a great Mm. agency and left left the rest alone. (laughs) Right. I was thinking my way of being involved and at the same time supporting the ideas of social justice is that I'm involved in the communities that I serve so that I can connect people. Right. Um, I had a teenager, it's been a while now, and she really saw that there was a gap in what her high school provided to students as far as mental health. And she felt like she could be a person to make a difference. Okay. And I went, that's so cool. That's a great idea. Let me give you some ideas of organizations that do things like what you're interested in. And wanted to make sure, kind of like giving a referral, I wanted to make sure that I didn't give her just one name, like the one name that I would prefer or think that that organization did a great job. But I gave her a couple of names and said, these organizations work with these types of people and they have a focus on helping to inform or support the public and I think that they would be helpful to you. Right. So I, that's one way that I I think I would do that with a supervisee as well. Absolutely. That you could say, I've had some involvement or I know a little bit about mm-hmm. what they do. Here's some places where you could get right. more involved. I think I do that through different walks or events or things like right. that. Eating The eating disorder community has a couple of walks every year mm-hmm. in support of maybe not specific agendas, but the idea of we're supportive of right. treatment of people with eating disorders. Right. I 
think it's really um, great to be able to be involved in the things that you're passionate about, but then also do it from a, a wider stance, making sure that it doesn't get too uh, specific. Okay. So maybe that isn't a way of providing advocacy, social justice without also giving your own personal opinion, right. um, making it too opinionated. Uh, we also talked about, Heather, sharing your experience. Yes. Sharing what you've already learned from in the past with your supervisees or your interns, letting them know this was where maybe a mistake happened or maybe this is why I stand strongly on this platform and will always, you know, support screenings for pregnant teenagers or whatever the, whatever the passion thing is, but being able to share that and say, this is why I do it and not wavering from it. When I think of sharing my experience, I'm thinking about other professionals, but also family and friends. Oh, absolutely. A way that I might share my experience is I know that not all professionals, teachers, doctors, other counselors have the same counseling experience that I have. Mm -hmm. And that just by sharing what I do, even some of the the risk factors or some of the needs of the people that I work with, I help other professionals know what to be aware of. I think that happens a lot just because of the overlap between play therapy and eating disorders Mm -hmm. isn't obvious to all people. Right. So I think there's an opportunity for me to provide my experience to both of those groups. Absolutely. But again, family and friends, I think is another opportunity for that. Can you think, Heather, of a time where you've done some sharing of your experience with family and friends? I think I have often said, I have a different perspective on that. And Mm. then given my insight, also with family and friends shared, did you consider that maybe that kid comes from a background that he has a really hard time Mm -hmm. accessing services? Uh, Just to give a different spin, one of my very close friends will say, okay, give us the Heather spin because (laughs) she kind of knows that I don't always see the same things happening at our school or in our neighborhood Mm -hmm. the the same way as maybe someone that doesn't have a mental health background. Right. I think something that I do, I wonder if I'm notorious for this as well. Um, that I am, I feel like I am always offering referrals. Right. Oh, I know somebody for this. Oh, but, I know somebody for and that. And maybe in a gentle way. I'm not, I might not use the word referral with right. a family member or a friend, <laughs> but I might say, if you're interested in seeing a counselor, I could give you some names of people I really trust. Right. And I think even that, even though it's small, it's a little bit of breaking down the stigma behind mm-hmm. mental health services right. or seeing a counselor, normalizing that. Um, and it's definitely led to some conversations where we get more more into that idea of not just people with a diagnosis see a right. counselor. Right. Not just when some life catastrophe has happened, do you see a counselor? Mm-hmm. There are lots of reasons you see a counselor and lots of people do. No, I absolutely agree with that. Actually, right before we all went into a stay at home mode, mm-hmm. I was at an event for a friend of mine and someone was just talking socially and they said, Heather, I know you're going to think that I'm just crazy. I'm sure you're over there like analyzing every word. I smiled and said, no, I'm not analyzing it. But also use it as a chance to engage that and to say like, there are good reasons to go to counseling. It doesn't mean that you have a diagnosis. What about Heather, knowing your own lens when you're supporting a supervisee through the idea of social justice, helping them to implement ideas of social justice? I think sometimes people don't always know their lens. Mm -hmm. I think they're unaware and it can be on any front really, but knowing that if they haven't had the experience working with a homeless population or they haven't had the experience working in grief, their lens is altered 
triggered, one, due to lack of experience, but then also by what their own life experience was. Mm -hmm. If they grew up with both parents and never even lost a grandparent, connecting with a child that just lost their dad is going to be different for them than someone that's already has had grief. So an important part of being a supervisor is helping supervisees to become more aware of those bias and that some of them can be really subtle. Right. It does. I mean, and I think those are often the more difficult ones to identify. It isn't something obvious that's a topic of discussion. It's something that maybe is subtle. So maybe not race, religion, right. politics, right. something like that that's obvious and right. easily identified, but maybe something more subtle. Can you think of one that, that maybe um, might be a more subtle bias? Um, siblings. Only child versus siblings. Mm, I've yes. seen it come up a few times. I like to ask my supervisees what they went into the room with. Like, what did they take into the room? What assumptions did they already make and what things did they already know about the situation? Because I think sometimes it gives them that foresight for the next session to go into it thinking, okay, what are my assumptions? What Mm -hmm. am I coming in already thinking? So that they can be proved right or wrong. I think this is an issue that comes up even within our field. Knowing our lens that we come from, I think has to do with the education that we received, the experience we had in our training, and the experience we've had since school and and our early training. Even the idea of social justice. Mm -hmm. I I think I mentioned earlier that I didn't learn about social justice in my master's program because it just wasn't something that was talked about then. That now it is a piece of most master's level programs at this point where it's a a topic of discussion. There's a focus on it and an emphasis on how counselors can become advocates and contribute to social justice. So I think that there are some counselors, supervisors who don't maybe prioritize this, not because they don't value it, but because it's just not part of uh, maybe their perspective or their Mm -hmm. their worldview as a counselor. And what also comes to mind is that there has been a shift in the way that theory is taught. Right. And that I can imagine that there could be two camps. Right. There could be camp multidisciplinary, know all the theories, be able to work with all of them. And I know that uh, when I went to school, the focus was pick one theory, get really comfortable with that theory. They didn't expect that you would always use that theory, but they wanted you to feel really comfortable with one. Uh, And I can imagine that there is, since that shift, there are people who still feel like picking one theory is the way to go. And there are certainly other counselors who feel like being well-versed in all the theories is is more practical. Right. Um, And so I think that's a lens that we all look through. I think it's also when you're working with supervisees and trying to help them see what their own downfall is, sometimes it's important to think of what did they get in school? What do they already know about this? Because Mm -hmm. they may have more education broadly than a supervisor might have. I like that idea, Heather. Uh, It really contributes to the idea that we are all always learning and growing. Right. So as a supervisor, we sometimes need to be open and ready to learn from our supervisees and vice versa. Correct. Well, today we've talked about social justice and supervision. Today's episode was sparked by Counseling Today's Member Insight, published April 2020, The Counselor's Role in Community Outreach and Resiliency Building. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.